Firm Foundation is an outreach of the Primitive Baptist Churches of DeKalb County. New Bildad Primitive Baptist Church meets in the Seven Springs community on New Bildad Road each Sunday morning at 10.30, Sunday night at 6, and Wednesday night at 6.30. The Mount View Primitive Baptist Church meets in the Shiny Rock community on Old Blue Springs Road each Sunday morning at 10.30. Your speaker today is Elder Ricky Arnold, pastor at the Mount View Church. The whole creation groans. 
groans and sin enslaves my soul. This body longs to be redeemed and told. Yet hope within me rises to cheer my heart again. For God ordained these things to save from sin, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate, though same he called and justified by grace. Time aren't worthy to compare, for when Christ comes, we'll be glorified. His image we shall bear. To turn our attentions to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 18. We'll begin at verse 1. And as you're turning there, I'll set the stage. Children of Israel, because of their wickedness, and they continually turn away from God. God has sent prophet after prophet to warn them. Jeremiah is in the land of Judah telling them they're going to fall to Babylon. And the final siege of Jerusalem is taking place while Ezekiel has been one of the first that have been carried away captive down in Babylon. So Ezekiel is prophesying from Babylon. Part of the children of Israel have already been taken captive and carried away. Now we start in verse 1 of the 18th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul of that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just, and do that which is lawful and right, and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes unto idols of the house of Israel, neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, coming to a menstruous woman, and hath not oppressed any, but hath been restored to the debtor his pledge has spoiled none by violence hath given his bread to the hungry and hath covered the naked with his garment and we could go on but basically let's stop right there and see what the Lord said now you've got a group of people that's been carried down to Babylon they've been carried away from their homeland they've been carried away from Judea And they're already captives, they're already prisoners down there, and they're making excuses. Our fathers have sinned, and this this has all come to us because what somebody else did. 
And the Lord's, that's what the Lord said. This is the proverb you're using. Our fathers have eaten sour grapes. Therefore the children's teeth are set on edge. And what did the Lord say? You'll not have any occasion to use that proverb in Israel anymore. What's he said? He said, all souls are mine. I knew, well, I knew all about your fathers, and I know all about you. Don't make an excuse. Man's good at making excuses, isn't he? That's, that's our nature. It's been that way since Adam fell in the Garden of Eden. That that's who man is. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, and let's just examine Adam's case. That Adam and Eve have partaken of the fruit that God said not to partake of. They've just got one rule. You can eat of any tree in the garden. They had their pick of them. Devil comes along and tempts Eve. What do they do? That's the first thing. I mean, here they are. Now listen to what it says. In verse 9 of the third chapter, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And I've, I've said this for years and years. I don't believe God was walking in the Garden of Eden peeping under the trees trying to say, Where are you at, Adam? I believe the Lord knew exactly where Adam's at. The trick is, now did Adam know where Adam's at? Adam's in trouble. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now listen to what Adam says. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me, gavest to be with me, she gave uh, me of the tree, and I did eat. God asked him a simple question. He didn't ask for a commentary. He didn't ask him to tell. He didn't. What did Adam do? He did just exactly what they did over in, in, in Babylon several thousand years later. He said, That woman that thou gavest me, you gave her to me, Lord. Look what she's done. And I did eat. God didn't ask him to make commentary. He said, did you eat of the tree that I told you not to? Adam's got him excuse. Well, it's that woman. Now, then now we're going to ask Eve. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. What did she say? Now these younger folks won't remember this, but anybody my age and older is going to remember Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. And that was her answer. But God says, don't make me an excuse. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle, and above all every beast of the field, and upon Thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And you can read on, and man was put out of the Garden of Eden because of his sin. And the nature of sin passed on to all that came after Adam. Now it's as simple as this, dear children, that we're sinners by nature. My nature is that I've been passed on from my mother, this white hair. My nature is that 
of the characters I, I, I see in myself. Now the older I get, I see a lot of things of my dad in me. That just comes natural. So does sin. It just comes natural. It's part of us. That's who we are, Will. We're sinners. Now, in Proverbs chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12, and let's look at verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Now, what's the... What's, What's Solomon told us here? Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. Conviction of our sin. When we learn... Now, it's as simple as this. I believe that every child of God, when, when the Lord gives them new birth and changes them, I believe they're going to be a conviction when they go and do things they know they ought not do. And that's what Solomon is saying. Heaviness in the heart maketh it stoop. It's going to, it's going to trouble us. Isn't it? That's what our nature is. That God is going to trouble our waters when we go contrary to what His Word says. Does that mean we stop being children of God? Absolutely not. Now, I love my son, and I believe he loves me, but he wasn't always obedient. And sometimes I had to apply the rod of correction. The same was true of me and my father. My father, I believe, loved me, Brother Ronnie. Yeah. But he, he applied the rod, he knew how to apply the rod of correction, Brother Jimmy, and I knew just exactly what it meant when I got in trouble. Yeah. And it troubles our spirit when we go contrary to what God says. You don't have to turn there, but it's in, in the 25th, 26th chapter of Matthew. The Lord had told Peter, Peter said, I'll go with you, Lord, all the way even unto death. And the Lord said, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny that you know who I am three times. When you can read it for yourself, the account's in different, different passages of, of the four Gospels, but when that old rooster crowed, Peter remembered what the Lord had said. Yeah. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let me ask you the question. I can say, I've wept some bitter tears over things that I've done. How about you? Right. That's who, the, the, the conviction of sin is going to make our hearts heavy. The oh, Peter knew he was guilty. He'd done exactly what the Lord told him he would do. And I believe, Brother Jimmy, I believe when he told the Lord, I'll go with you, I think he meant it at the time. But when the rubber met the road, it was a different story. That's who we are. So how does this change? How do we deal with this? We can't use excuses. Let's turn to Psalms chapter 32. That's what the Lord's telling the children of Israel down there in uh, Babylon. Don't make me an excuse. Don't, don't tell me it was somebody else. In Psalms chapter 32, let's start at verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. We're blessed when we're doing the right things. It says, when I kept silence. Now, I want you to understand this. This is a psalm of David. This is between the time that David had committed the sin with Bathsheba, 
had her husband killed. And between the time that Nathan the prophet come and told him, the Lord knows all about it. This is this. Is, remember what Solomon said about your heart stooping. Listen to this next few verses now. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. There's no peace for David knowing that he sinned. And dear children, I don't believe the Lord would give a child of God any peace or rest when He convicts him of sin. Now, what does it say? Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. What did David do? David finally acknowledged his sin. He admitted his sin. That now, in Psalms 51, we see the end effect of this, where Nathan the prophet has been to David, and listen to what he says, verse 2. Well, let's just start at verse 1. Have mercy upon me, God. Here is the first thing in acknowledging our sins and making confession. We need the mercy of God. Now, the difference in grace and mercy is grace is when God gives you what you do not deserve. But mercy is when God withholds what you do deserve. I deserve God's wrath. I deserve eternal punishment. I've used that for years and years. People ask me how I am. I'm better than I deserve. These people don't understand that. But dear children, I don't want what I deserve. I want mercy and grace. Now, listen to what David says. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, was it for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified. When thou speakest and be clear, when thou judgest, behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What did David say? I admit it, I'm guilty, I've sinned against God. You see, regardless of what we do wrong, and to who we may hurt along the way, our sin's ultimately against God, because He's the one bought us and paid for us. You see, ultimately our sin is against Him. Now we've we've come to the first two steps in repentance. And repentance, I've said this, and repentance is not a one-time thing with a child of God. There's this notion you can wave your hand and say a few words and say the right words and everything's alright and you just be whoever you want to be. No, we realize we're sinners. And repentance is a lifetime thing for a child of God. We're going to struggle with turning away from our sin and turning toward God for the rest of our lives. First is conviction. Heaviness makes the heart stoop. We're convicted of our sins. The Lord lets us know we're guilty. And then what do we do? We confess it. And a lot of people stop there. But that's not all there is. That's not all there is. In 2 Corinthians, and we've talked about this before, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 
You see, in the church at Corinth, there was a great trouble among the congregation. There was a lot of people that had committed some sinful acts that were still in the church. And you read the first chapter, and you'll find that the Apostle Paul tells them, look, if he's not going to repent, you put him out and let, let the devil deal with him. In other words, he's going to be troubled. Didn't say stop being a child of God. And if you read in the second chapter, you have evidence that this man repented and come back to the church. That's what you ultimately want. Now, listen to what it says in verse 9. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for ye were made uh, sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death." Godly sorrow, when we're convicted of our sins and we confess our sins, it ought to bring about something in us. Now, we've talked about this in verse 11. Behold, for behold, the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. That means eagerness, rededication. Dear children, we ought to rededicate ourselves to following the Lord and turning from our sins on a regular basis. It ought to, it ought to work when we see we've sinned. When we see we've went, went the wrong way. It ought, it ought to bring us... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a conviction. I'm going to make it a commitment. I'm going to make it a commitment that I'm going to turn from this and do better. Now listen to what it says. What carefulness it wrought in you. What? Clearing of yourselves. That means you're going to correct the wrongs. What I've done wrong, I'm not going to do again. Now I'm afraid sometimes in my life I've been guilty of making the same mistakes over. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have. But we ought to work to get away from that. Yea, what indignation. That means anger. It ought to upset us when we knowingly do the wrong thing. And sometimes we do. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. What revenge. In all these things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. He's talking about what I've just talked about with this man. It says vehement desire. A longing. We ought to desire to please God. That's what this is about. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us plainly, Put off the old man. That's the old sinful man. Put away that sinful nature on a daily basis. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. These things that your sinful nature wants to go the wrong way. It won't hit desires the wrong things. That's what God says we need to put away. And that's an that's a everyday battle for the child of God. Consecration. We've, we've already talked about conviction and confession and commitment. We make a commitment to turn away from these things. Consecration means turning toward God. I'm going to come back to the fourth chapter of Ephesians. But I'm going to look right over into the book of Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is what Paul says about the people of Thessalonica in the, the, this church. Chapter 1 and verse 9. For they themselves show uh, of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how that ye turned to God 
from idols to serve the living and true God. Dear children, what had they done? They had proved themselves to those that were watching because they turned from their idols. Now, let me tell you, a lot of people say, well, I don't have any idols. I don't have any statues I bow down to. Let me tell you something, dear children. It can be money, fame, wealth, lustful desire. Anything that we put between us and God has become an idol to us. And those are things we ought to remove. Now back to the fourth chapter of Ephesians. And put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are we are members one of another. And he goes through the list. The, put, the putting off always is followed by putting on. Dear children, if we do not adapt better habits, we'll go back to worse habits. Yeah. Because we're sinful. Right. That's who we are. And we'll get to the place that we're going to make an excuse for our sin. It's not my fault. We hear a lot of that in the world today. It's not my fault. Well, whose fault was it? You know, here's the bottom line, dear children. We're all sinners by nature and we're sinners by practice. And I've said this many times over the years. You may fool me and I may fool you, but none of us are going to fool the Lord. Now then, we put off all these things. And we turn toward God. And I'm going to go back to where we started in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18. I encourage you to read. I'm reading my way through Ezekiel. But at the end of this chapter, verses 30, 31, and 32. Therefore I I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. And iniquity can be our ruin, can it? Now, cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die? O house of Israel. Now that's not an eternal death. But dear children, we can separate ourselves from the feeling of the presence of God. What did in the fifty first Psalm you read that where David's talking about confessing his sin with Bathsheba? He said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David hadn't lost his salvation. He was still a child of God. But he lost the joy of walking in the presence of his God because he separated himself by his own sin. That's what God is saying. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. God has no pleasure in seeing his children fail. But we do sometimes. And dear children... Let us learn to acknowledge our sin, to confess our sins, to commit ourselves to turning toward God, putting in better things in our lives. Now that won't make you a child of God, but He'll, he'll help you have a better walk with God. 
And let's not be like the children of Israel. And let's try the one thing, the first thing we do, I think every child of God ought to do in putting away his sin is to learn to not make excuses. Because I know I'm a sinner. But I, my great hope is I'm a sinner saved by grace. May the Lord bless you and keep you as my prayer. Thank you for listening. You may write to the Firm Foundation in care of Ricky Arnold, 328 R. Arnold Road, Smithville, Tennessee, 37166. And until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you is my prayer.